we hear a lot about stories and writers who have an agenda. Movies are too woke or too biased or too Christian or too insert whatever objection you want. But here's the thing. I believe stories should have something to say, but how writers and storytellers include that message changes everything. So let's talk about that. Welcome to the Story Geek Show. I'm Jay Shear, co-writer of Death of a Bounty Hunter and Time Slingers. The full cast audiobook version of Death of a Bounty Hunter is now available on Audible, audiobooks.com, Apple Books, and most places that audiobooks are sold. Support the show by purchasing a copy. Links are in the description. So the topic of this video really comes about because we see a lot of people reacting very interestingly to the stories that are out there. And I have learned a little bit about this in my 20 plus years of writing and storytelling. And the reality is you should write to say something important to have a message, but you shouldn't start writing with an agenda. Now there is one good reason to do so, which I will get into. There is one good reason to start with an agenda in mind. But generally speaking, you really shouldn't start with an agenda. Now, here's some of the things that you will hear said about writers or said to writers or said about the stories that writers write. People will tell writers to write what you know. People will say that the story is too woke and you can replace the word woke with any other political perspective. And I've heard that too. There are some films that are too Christian or too something else or insert whatever spiritual perspective you want in there film is too much that people say that all the time or maybe they say the film is only for Christians I've actually said that myself and sometimes it's true or they say I don't agree with what that movie had to say or that movie was too on the nose so what if I told you that I believe that there's a way to avoid over 95% of those comments and still get a message across and still make most people most of the general population. You're not going to make everybody happy, but you'll make most of them happy and they'll come away learning something, maybe thinking about something in a different way. I do believe that there is one way, but I also think that that way is more difficult. It takes longer, but in the end, it will be way more rewarding professionally and personally. Also, I also think that there is a big component here of if you don't write with an agenda, you're actually more likely to change the minds of your audience because you'll be capturing a shared human experience in a way that's kind of undeniable. Plus, it will bring people together as opposed to ripping your audience into two separate tribes. I'll walk through the, me the methodology of doing all this, by the way, but first... I wanted to talk about and examine a little bit more how writers and storytellers screw this up. Why do they? Why do people start talking about things in terms of being too woke or too much on the nose or having too much of an agenda? Let's talk about that first. Uh, by the way, for those of you in the comments, uh, big shout out to Theme Park Casual. He just jumped into the comments. You can leave me a comment throughout this video and ask me any questions. If you're watching this video after it's already been recorded, I oftentimes come back and answer questions in the videos as well. So if you have a question pertaining to how do you not, why I don't think you should write with an agenda, um, except, the, except for the one exception, there's one exception to that rule, um, then let me know in the comments down below and we'll get to it. But let me start by just talking about 
the different methodologies that I don't think work very well or the different mindsets or how writers go about starting a story and then it ends up being feeling like the audience feels like they're being preached to and then there's an agenda behind the message of the film. So let's talk about how writers get that wrong, at least in my opinion. And a lot of this, by the way, comes from personal experience because I used to screw this up myself. I used to sit down and think I have an agenda. I want people to know stuff and I would write it out. Uh, but as I've matured, I've realized that that's not really the way the world works. And it's not really a good way of storytelling, in my opinion. So let's, let's talk about that. The first way that writers mess this process up is that they start with their own desire. So the questions that they should be asking themselves is, what do, or the questions they do ask themselves, I should say, is what do they want? I'm not thinking about the audience so much, they're thinking about what they want. I want to convey a message. I have something to say. I want to say this. The other question, the other question that they don't tend to answer is, why do they want that? Why is it important for them to have something that they need to say in a way that's preachy? Why is that? What is it about what's going on inside them that's leading them to do something that's preachier than probably what it should be? So the first problem is, what's your desire? What is your, what is, what are you trying to accomplish as a writer? Do you want to push your agenda? Do you want to push your uh, personal perspective? And why do you want that? Why is that inherent in you? Those are two questions that you should be asking yourself because your desire and what goes into your agenda are two very different things that you need to start analyzing before you ever start writing. Writing ultimately is a pretty introspective process and we need to, as storytellers or writers, we need to be introspective about it. The second thing that writers can get wrong, in my opinion, coming after they, their desire is their perspective. So if you have a desire, that will start to shape your perspective, right? So the second problem is maybe we've worked on our desire a little bit, but we haven't looked at other perspectives. So the second thing is you need to think about what your perspective is. And the questions you need to be asking yourself is, have I looked at alternative stances to my own perspective? Is there another perspective that I don't really understand? And I'm going to start writing about a topic without a full and complete understanding of what the hell I'm talking about, right? Because you might understand it from your perspective, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your perspective is 100% right. And that's that can lead to other more detailed questions about perspective. Does the alternative perspective or opinions about another perspective, does that start to inherit your antagonist or any of your other characters and you showcase that as being bad or evil, right? It's a really good question to ask yourself. Am I starting to look at other people's perspectives and am I starting to make a judgment call that feeds into that, pers that person or, or their perspective of the character who I think is the bad guy, right? Or the villain in this story. And then the finally, this is a huge one about your own perspective. Are you writing from a place of vulnerability or are you writing from a place of arrogance, right? So are you approaching the topic from a place of vulnerability or are you approaching it from arrogance? Arrogance says, I know exactly what the world should hear from me and this is what I'm going to say. Vulnerability has a completely different aspect to it where it says, you know what? I think I have something to say and I want to explore that a little bit more right? So your perspective, your desire, where's your desire coming from? Why is that desire inherent in you? The second thing is, what's your perspective? And have you even analyzed 
alternative perspectives to see why they are wrong or maybe aren't wrong or is there anything about what's going on with other people that could sway you in a different direction? We're going to talk about these a little bit more detail as we get down and about how to do them correctly. But this is all about how you do it incorrectly. The third thing that writers get wrong when they're doing a story that has an, contains an agenda is that uh, they have assumptions that they don't realize are assumptions. And they are putting those in there as if those assumptions are 100% true of anyone else who could be reading their material. So the questions I have for these, for, for people who are at their assumption stage are, did have you tested your own assumptions? As a writer or a storyteller, have you tested your own assumption to see if it works in all contexts or if there's other contexts where your assumptions may be wrong? It's probably something you should do because people who read or watch or ingest your material in any way will be looking for things that don't make sense to them. The other question I would ask for writers who are dealing with assumptions is, did they put themselves, did the writer put themselves in their character's shoes, even the ones who they do not agree with, and have they tried to understand those characters? So if I'm writing a villain, have I put myself in the place of the villain to understand really what it is that the villain's all about and why the villain might be doing some of what the villain's doing? I'm going to have other videos where I analyze some of the films that people say are too woke or analyze some of the films that people say are too Christian or whatever, whatever the too much of this is. And we'll look at some of those examples. But just to give a really quick example of what I mean by this, if you take a, a villain like Killmonger or if you take a villain like Thanos, those are actually perspectives we see in the real world that are maybe a little bit more extreme. But if you take a villain like uh, that you see who's more like... Um, uh, uh, the guy from Iron Man. Why am I not? For, why am I forgetting his name? Anyway, the guy who's from Iron Man, um, the Iron Man villain from the first Iron Man, played by Jeff Bridges. That guy feels very one note. That doesn't feel like he just feels like greedy capitalist guy, right? Whereas Killmonger and Thanos feel like fully lived out characters, where you have to actually ask yourself as the audience, how come I kind of agree with them in some ways? Not all the ways, which is what makes them a villain because they're doing things that are inherently selfish or a little bit tribal. But if it's just kind of a more of a one note type of a villain, it's much more easy to, for the audience to go, oh, there's kind of a, an agenda here. That they're saying this is, this is bad or that's bad. And there's not a fully realized character there. The fourth thing uh, that writers can do. Oh, oh, by the way, one more thing about assumptions. There is one other part about assumptions that I think you should address too as a writer. And that is, have you written out all of your assumptions? One of the problems with inherent bias is that we have it and we don't know we have it. But as a writer, you're creating characters. You're fleshing out characters. You're going into more details about these characters who will inhabit your story and live out your story. To another person reading or watching, those characters become fully lifelike and they see those characters as actual human beings. So have you written out your assumptions uh, that went into the creation of those characters? Because if you haven't, you may not know what to test and what to not test, which I'll get to in a minute. So those are some things about assumptions. So we've talked about desires. We've talked about perspectives. We've talked about assumptions. Those are technically three different layers that a writer has to go through of saying, like, how am I going to craft this story? The fourth is how we then execute the story. So that's how we kind of set it up. But then how do we actually, when we start writing, 
when we start doing uh, the actual storytelling as we're in the development stage, in the production stage, before we get to a uh, final product, here are some other things that writers, I think, need to ask themselves. Have you worked on a premise? So uh, my ideals, uh, my ideal resource um, for working on a premise, premise is basically what the uh, story's message is or what it reveals about the shared human experience. My preferred reference for that is Leos Agrees, The Art of Dramatic Writing. Now, other writers will talk about concepts. They'll talk about themes. Yes, all of those are fine, but a premise actually dials it down to if you put characters in this scenario, if you put these types of characters in this scenario, what will the film say about the shared human experience? Now, something, you know, for example, a writer storyteller who has amazing premises is someone like Shakespeare. Now, why is that? Because we are still watching Shakespeare's uh, material recreated in the modern day. We've seen untold number of things that were inspired by Shakespeare's material, and it still resonates hundreds of years later. Now, why is that? Because Shakespeare was very intent on telling stories that got to a shared human experience. Now, we do have some modern storytellers who are doing that really well, too. Um, I would put somebody like uh, Jordan Peele out there, someone who's doing that really, really well. Now, some of you may say, yeah, but some of the things that he's done, people have called too woke. Well, we need to start defining terms about what that means, and I can get to that later. Uh, but I would disagree with that particular assessment. And, I'll, and I can tell you why in future shows, too. So let's talk about some other things that writers do when they execute something. If you don't think about your premise, chances are you're not going to write about a shared human experience. Or if you do write about a shared human experience, it will be very one note. And you will please one kind of person, the kind of person who agrees with you. <laughs> so if you don't really work to break down your premise and say, if we put characters in this scenario, how does the premise play out? Chances are, at the end of the day, your premise will not ring true for a majority of people. The other thing is, how well did the writer research their topic? And when they did that research, did they read any alternative or contradictory sources comparative to what they believed? So as you begin to work on your material, the question is, have you actually tried to look at other viewpoints that may not agree with what you're doing. Now, if you haven't, then guess what? You're probably going to end up writing as if you had an agenda. Because if you don't read other topics, then the only thing that's going to come into the story is what's in your head currently. But we don't really want to do that if we're, if we're really trying to get to the truth of the matter, in my opinion. So the other question I have for people when they're executing uh, the story, when they're in the process of writing is, did the writer or storyteller flesh out their characters in a way that feels real? This is really, really huge. It goes back to the Iron Man example versus the Killmonger example versus the Thanos example. Any villain who you perceive to be as weak is going to be fairly one note. They're going to be fairly... Uh, basic evil, if you will, and there's no nuance to that. Now, you can make an argument that in the first uh, Star Wars film, A New Hope, uh, the first one that came out, I should say, that you could make an argument that Darth Vader is fairly one note, and that's true. But if you look over the course of the trilogy, and then especially when they bring in the prequel trilogy, they're fleshing out the character of Darth Vader, and now he suddenly starts to look real as opposed to looking like some one-note scary 
character. This is also true of, you know, modern day movies, I think, are getting villains better and better. Um, you know, older stories get villains great too. But uh, in terms of film, I mean, Kylo Ren is a very complex villain from the very beginning that we meet him. So again, if we're going to flesh out those characters, if we don't flesh out those characters, they can feel very one note. But if we really spend a lot of time trying to work on those characters, they can really become more fully realized and feel like real characters. And then maybe the biggest question you can ask yourself as you execute a story, has the writer or storyteller's viewpoint, has my viewpoint changed on the topic as I was working on this story? If your viewpoint has not changed since you started the story, then you might need to go back and work on your premise a little bit. Now, sometimes your viewpoint just shifts a little bit because maybe it's a, it's a topic that you it's very well researched for you. You understand all the viewpoints. You know people in your life who have those alternative viewpoints and you put those into a story and it makes a lot of sense. But there will still be mindset changes because you will find a character in your story who's trying to do one thing. And you say, wait a minute, that's impossible. This character would not be able to do that because I know this character better and they would not approach the topic that way. And so they have to change that character a little bit, right? So that really comes down to understanding uh, who your characters are and researching it, testing assumptions, testing your premise, and then your mind will likely change on the very topic that you were addressing. Therefore, it is almost impossible to bring the agenda with you because if you do, all of these questions will get answered incorrectly and they will feel one note and it will feel like you are preaching to your audience. So that's a good question is why do movies come off as preachy? And my personal take on that is, is that storytellers don't question their own takes. They just focus on whatever they believe without being willing to test those beliefs against other ideas or ideals. So if you're just going to do that, then guess what? You're just writing a movie for yourself and everyone who agrees with you. You're not writing a movie for people who you really would like to consider. So for example, let's say that I do have an agenda and I feel like I uh, really feel strongly about a certain topic or a certain thing that I want to communicate. I'm really passionate about it. Well, if you go through the process that I'm going to talk about in a minute, um, then I think that you will come to that topic in a place where you can say, Ah, I see where other people, how other people think. I see how other people may misinterpret some of what I believe to be true. Well, if you put those kind of characters into a story, you're going to have this sophisticated interaction. And then people are going to see themselves there. They're going to see their friends there. They're going to see people, strangers that they didn't realize before. And they're going to go, oh, that's a different way of addressing the topic than I had ever considered before. And that might actually change somebody's mind. But if you just write from your perspective only, and you only write from your agenda only, you're probably only going to preach to the choir, as it were. Christian movies oftentimes only reach Christians. Why is that? Because a lot of people go, that's a fairly one note example of how that scenario works. That scenario in my life looks a lot different. And you're just giving me a one note performance about, you know, if I was only a Christian, everything in my life would turn out to be fantastic. Okay, well, even Christians know that that's not true. But if I want to be told that's true, I can go watch a Christian movie because a lot of Christian movies do that. Um, 
Oftentimes, movies or TV shows that are too political will often fail for similar reasons. If there's only one perspective, and you, so politicians, by the way, let me take a note here, take a take a slight pause to talk about a lot of politicians in the modern day. Most politicians in the modern day have a very clear agenda. They have a very clear agenda. Now, that agenda is not always... <laughs> to do the right thing. A lot of times that agenda is to get reelected. A lot of times that agenda is to get press so that they can get reelected. A lot of times that agenda is to get reelected because they're actually getting more money or to speak on behalf of lobbyists. So you can actually take this storytelling approach for people with an agenda and you can see that if I want to, I can take any topic, only look at that topic from one perspective and, and then vilify the other side of the aisle. Right. So you can do that. Now, if a writer does that, then you're writing a political piece or you're writing a spiritual piece or you're actually not trying to get to a shared human experience anymore. Uh, so, you know, that's, in my opinion, a big problem. Now, there is one before I get into how to do this well in terms in terms of my opinion on how to do this well, what I have learned because I did it poorly. So don't take this as me saying, oh, I know how to do all of this. I learned by failing at this. Uh, before I learned how to do it correctly. But if I were to tell you that there was only one time that uh, writers should write, or one, let me say it this way. There's one time where writing with an agenda will benefit you. When will writing with an agenda benefit you? Well, for those who are early on in their career, especially those who don't have an audience yet, one of the fastest ways to get one is to tell people what they want to hear. <laughs> In other words, you can just say, I'm going to vilify these people. I'm going to put these people on a pedestal and I'm going to tell that story. You can basically do what a politician does. You can say, these are evil people. These are cool people. And we shouldn't, we should fight against this ideal. Don't test anything. Don't learn from the other side. Just pretend that they're the most evil people in the world and then go write your story. The benefit that that provides is that it has a temporary limited benefit in that it will help you build an audience. If you take a stance, you find other people who have that stance and they just rally behind you, you can build an audience that way. However, if you build an audience that way, it is almost impossible to break out of the mold you built for yourself. Because as soon as you start to look at the world in a more complex way, the people who used to be your fans will go, wait a minute. <laughs> now what is this writer doing? I was expecting to show up and read material that just fed me what I already wanted to believe. So you can do that, but I don't recommend it uh, for, the, for the reasons that I just stated. And I also think that from an artistic standpoint, if you want to be a storyteller who has some artistry in what they do, I would tell you, it's better to find the shared human experience than it is to make a niche market excited about what you're doing. So that's just my personal opinion, but that is the one scenario in which writing with an agenda, <laughs> I think can benefit you, but I don't recommend it. And I don't think it has a long-term benefit. I think it has a very short-term, very short-term benefit. If you do write with an agenda, the, the worst complications that can arise, the things that can come up that are bad, I just gave you a positive example. But a lot of times, a huge segment of people will not watch. A giant segment of people will say, oh, that's not for me because that's for a different segment. This, is a, this has an agenda behind it. 
And if they do that, they will reject your message outright. So if you're like me and you're a writer and you think to yourself, well, I think I have some, some things to say, but I better test those things. I better create scenarios and premises that I test to see what's part of the shared human experience. If you don't do that, and then you just put your story into the world, chances are people who don't agree with you will reject your message. But guess what? If you do that, a lot of people who may not agree with your, some of your conclusions will say, actually, this story is pretty on the nose with the shared human experience. I just didn't realize some of these other things. And they may actually, you might actually influence them at that point in time. To give you an example of what that looks like a little bit more, uh, there if you've ever heard uh, Daryl Davis talk about his experience, if you haven't heard it, you should really go listen to it because Daryl Davis is essentially the opposite of a politician. Daryl Davis is a gentleman. He's, he's part of the black community and he started to, he was playing, I believe he was in the South. And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase the story. And I'll just tell it very briefly, but this is what you should be as a writer. Daryl Davis was playing in the South and he, he's a musician. Someone invited uh, him over to their table, a white guy. And as they got to talking, it came out that this white gentleman had never really interacted with black people before. Daryl Davis and this guy hang out, hang out more times. And eventually this guy tells Daryl Davis that he's part of a white supremacist group. And as a part of that white supremacist group, um, he's never really had black friends before. But guess what? Now that Daryl Davis is his friend, he hands over his membership card or whatever it was and says, I'm not going to be a part of this group anymore. It's an incredibly powerful story. And not only has Daryl Davis done that once, he has done it dozens of times. He has legitimately had clan members give him their robes and him say, and them say, I'm not going to do this anymore because you've changed your mind. Would Daryl Davis have changed any of those minds if he had just said white supremacists are terrible and I'm just going to yell in their face? Probably not. So if you want people to change because of your writing, then you need to get to a place where you look at things from a nuanced perspective. You understand what people are feeling. You understand that these gentlemen who were meeting with Daryl Davis did not intend to be evil. They were just ignorant. And when that ignorance was solved, they became his friends and they rejected their prior belief systems. If you want to be a writer who changes people's lives, you can't just write with an agenda. You actually have to do the hard work of understanding everybody who's involved in your story so you can get to the shared human experience. Now, I told Daryl Davis's story in a, in a very, in a very uh, quick poor way. You should go listen to him talk about that because it's very, very influential for this kind of thinking. The second thing that you'll get wrong if you write with an agenda is that your story will feel very inauthentic. People of multiple different perspectives will look at your story and go, mm, this feels like there's an agenda here. It feels like it's preachy to me. This doesn't feel like what I expected when I started this story out. Or maybe if you if they expected to hear an agenda, maybe then you fulfilled their you fulfilled their expectations. But my point is, is that for a large chunk of people, your story will feel inauthentic. Even people who agree with you, by the way, because they'll say, Yeah, I like that message, but I have a family member who doesn't believe what I believe, and it's not really how it showed up in that movie, or it's not really how it showed up in that book, or whatever. And I'll I hate to say this 
to you. But I also think, because I felt this way personally about my former stories, if you write with an agenda and you don't test that agenda and you don't test your premise, you will likely look back at your story later on in your life and you will be disappointed in yourself for writing with an agenda. So those are some things that I would take serious consideration um, about in terms of when you start to write with an agenda, what could be going on there. It's really important that you test some of these things. So how do you do that? How do you go about writing without an agenda? Well, let's go back through those four things that I mentioned earlier. So first, your desire. As opposed to it being your desire about, I want to tell what something that I believe to be true, make it your goal to write something that's true regardless of what you believe. If you address a topic, say, I want to tell the truth about this topic, but don't assume that you know the truth before you start writing. Assume that you need to test it. So your whole desire needs to change. I'm not going to just get my point across, but I'm going to actually try to find what is true about the shared human experience. Second, perspective is really important. Make it your goal to test multiple theories, understand your characters and their perspectives, and like I said, find the core premise of your story. So when I say this, test multiple theories. If you put characters in a room and this is the problem they're dealing with, and you put this character of this background and this character of that background and this character with this prior experience, what happens? Not what happens that you want to happen, that you force to happen, but what would organically happen in this scenario and why? And then you'll see, oh, I see, that won't work in this story to prove out that premise. There needs to be different characters or there needs to be, I need to explain these perspectives a little better so that it makes more sense that these characters would do this. You have to test and learn by putting people in a room and seeing what would happen. You'll hear writers say this all the time, but they will say something along the lines of, I need this character to do X, Y, or Z for the plot, but they're refusing to do it. Now, a lot of people will think, how can you say that your character would refuse to do what you, the writer, want them to do? If this happens to you, it means you're on the right track. Why? Because it means that your character is so authentic and so real that they are doing things that are out of your control because you could go, oh, they have to do that because they wouldn't do what I want them to do. They're doing what they would want to do. And that means you understand their perspective. It means you understand how they view the world. And it means you understand what they're doing in that scenario and why. And it makes your premise much harder to prove a lot of times, but it means that you need to go back to the drawing board and figure out how do I change these things to kind of prove my point a little bit more. And maybe you're premise changes because of that too. That's happened to me before as well. And then finally, you also need to just find that core premise. So if you come up with a premise, now Leos Agree has a methodology for defining a premise. I highly recommend that you check that out. Um, I can do a video on that later to explain how you, how you get to a premise, how you get to something that um, is as close to the shared human experience as possible. But essentially, uh, you might need to keep tweaking that premise slightly until it gets to the point where you're like, that's exactly what it is. That's the truth. There's where the shared human experience lies. The third thing you're going to want to do regard is regarding assumptions. So we talked about desire. We talked about perspective. Now let's talk about assumptions. Every assumption that you make needs to be tested, right? 
So if, if you think that you have, okay, well, I have a factual statement here. Okay, well, maybe your factual statement is actually just an assumption and that you need to test that assumption. I'm going to give you a personal example of that happening recently to me. I am uh, getting some yard stuff put in. And it occurred to me that in my area, I live in the west half of the country, which is very dry. We've been going through some major droughts recently. And one of the things that came up uh, as I was looking at this was I was thinking like a lot of people are saying, well, we should use less water. We should use less water. And I started thinking about that. I thought to myself, if we use less water, doesn't that impact the water cycle? Now, granted, uh, I believe that there are changing climate paradigms that are changing the way that the water cycle works as well. So this is a difficult topic and I do not pretend to be an expert on it. But I started doing some research. Should I put grass in my yard or should I put some sort of artificial turf in my yard to save money? Well, guess what I found out? Not that many people want to talk about this, but if you start to remove water use from your yard, you can actually enter a scenario where there's not as much water going back up into the clouds and there's not as much recycling of that for your particular area. So my point is, is that I have not come to any, any conclusions and nor should you. My point is test every assumption because some people will just tell you, you need to get turf, right? But in, you may, and when I say that, I mean artificial turf, you may actually have, that may be a problem. That may be an assumption you're carrying that is not true. And as a writer, you need to do the same thing. Well, how come this is true? What, what are scientists saying? What is, the general, what is the general thinking about this topic? What do my friends and family think about this topic? I should probably start getting other perspectives and test the assumptions that I already have here in front of me. So you actually have to write out a lot of assumptions and then be able to test them. How do you test them? You do some of the research. You need to research alternative perspectives. Here's topic A. What are the perspectives on topic A? Now, if you only research what pundit one says and what pundit two says, then you only get two perspectives. You need to look at lots and lots and lots of different perspectives and find the nuances in them because perspectives can be very nuanced and have a lot of different kinds of uh, elements to them that you did not otherwise know about. So your basic question is, why do other people believe this? Why are other people doing this? And where do their beliefs and their behaviors come from? And you need to try and understand that. You're going to act as a writer, as a scientist, or a journalist, as opposed to a pundit. You're going to test your assumptions and learn from them and, and, and interview people and learn from them as opposed to thinking, I know who this is, I know who this character is, and I'm going to write this into my story. Is it a lot of work? It is a lot of work. And I apologize, it's gonna take a long time to write great stories. The fourth thing we're gonna talk about is execution. So how do you do all of these things? I'm telling you all of these, I'm giving you all these principles, but how would you actually go about doing them? Well, the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna write out a premise. Here's something that I believe is true about the shared human experience. Then you're going to test that premise. How do you test a premise? You write out characters, you put them in scenarios, you put them in a plot, and you see how they behave. Then you go back and you try it again with different characters, or you, you tweak some of the characters that you currently have and see if the situation would work out in a different way. You go and you think about all the people that you know in your life, people who are not like you and people who are like you, and you put them in the same scenario and see how things change. 
then you have someone else read it. Maybe someone, especially, who does not agree with you. That's even better. Have somebody who does not agree with you read what's going on with your characters. Do the characters feel real to them or do they feel like caricatures? If I hand a story to somebody who does not agree with me and they look at the story and they go, yeah, I think that actually captures the way that I feel or the way that I see people uh, interacting around me and it's not what I personally believe, then I'm probably on the right track. I've been able to capture those characters in such a way that other people will look at it and go, oh yeah, that feels real to me. And now you know you're on <laughs> the right track. And especially if those interactions are still starting to prove out your premise, which is great. Finally, I think you should ask yourself uh, these questions. There's three of them, uh, but they're very complex. So just know going in, there's three questions, but they're complex. First question is, would a majority of people agree with my premise? And if not, why not? If so, why? Okay. And you can also ask yourself what kinds of people would agree with your premise and what kinds of people wouldn't. I put on the cover image um, of this video, and the cover image is just meant to get you to click on it and so that you can talk with, so that we can have a conversation. Um, I'm actually, I've heard people say that Lightyear is too woke. I haven't seen Lightyear, so I can't comment on that. I have seen Top Gun, and I would like to comment on that now. So Top Gun, why is Top Gun performing so well? Not just in America, by the way. Not just in America. It's doing fantastic in America, but it's performing well all over the world. Well, it's addressing a fairly specific premise that the, uh, the that human, first of all, it's addressing legacy because Tom Cruise is uh, now older. Tom Cruise is, I believe, 60 years old, which is insane because he looks younger than me. So He's 60 years old and now he's training the next generation of people. And he and some of the way he has to do that is by showing them some of the things that he's learned in his experience. So that is a shared human experience that a lot of us have. The older generation training the younger generation on how they're going to need to be and showing them that things are possible that they did not think. So if, if you have a mentor who can help you through a challenging scenario, then you kind of understand what the Top Gun premise looks like. The other part about Top Gun is that there are existential threats that exist in the world. Now, this is a fairly one note thing, by the way, but notice that the story is not really about that. The story is more about Tom Cruise and his recruits and how they interact with one another. The story is not so much about the bad enemy that we need to take over. But what they what they do is they do not tell you who the bad enemy that they need to take over is. Now, why is that the case? Because now it's not X country is evil and we must defeat them at any cost. It is people who would seek to do harm via nuclear weapons are evil and we would need to defeat them at any cost. So it changes it. A lot of people, even if I, even if I'm in a country that does not agree with the, with America, with a lot of American politics can still say, yeah, we wouldn't want some evil people to get those kinds of weapons. So it's fairly ubiquitous premise, and it's all about this generational transference of knowledge, getting older and realizing what your role is and realizing how your role is changing. That is a very uh, ubiquitous shared human experience. Whether you fit in the older group or whether you fit in the younger group, you can identify with a lot of what's going on in that premise. Guess what? Top Gun's super popular. So that premise is resonating with a lot of people. 
Second question you want to, so the first question was, would a majority of people agree with my premise? If not, why not? If so, why? And if, and if you can say, yeah, a majority of people would agree with this premise, then you're really getting to a core shared human experience. If you say, no, only a certain tribe or only a certain subsection of people would agree with my premise, then you might be writing with an agenda in mind and you might need to check that. Second question, does my story prove my premise? If not, why not? And if so, why? So the second thing we're going to look at is you might have a premise that you have in your mind and then you start working on it and you realize that your premise as it was written is not being proved out by what's happening in your story. Now you have to ask yourself a question. Did I include the right characters? Do I understand this character, this um, this story in general and what's going on in this story? Do I understand it well enough? Or do I need to actually rewrite my premise in the first place? And so knowing what your premise, I, I with my stories, I rewrite my premises all the time. Because what I realize is as I get the characters involved and in, in, in interacting with each other, I go, oh, you know what? My original premise is not really complete enough or it's not really nuanced enough. Or I didn't realize that there was another perspective that should be included in this story. And, and now the premise has to change slightly. But if I'm willing to update that premise, it likely means that I do not have an agenda and I am looking for the truth, the truth of the shared human experience. So that's something to look for as well. Now, the third question, and this is a real big doozy of a question, <laughs> but I think you should ask yourself this question. It's very introspective. Um, but it's very uh, determinant as to if you're on the right track or not. It's a scary question to ask yourself. I'm just going to put that out there. This is a scary question. You have to be vulnerable. If you are arrogant, like I talked about earlier, vulnerability versus arrogance. Vulnerability means I maybe don't know all of what I need to know. Arrogance says I know all of what I need to know and I'm going to go tell it to other people. Okay. You do not want arrogance. You want vulnerability. And that's because one question that you should ask yourself is, have I changed my mind or perspective on the topic now that I'm heavily invested in telling this story and making this story true? And if you're being vulnerable, a lot of times, as even if you start out with an agenda, if you go through this process, a lot of times you will say, I've changed my mind slightly. I've changed my mind on what I was trying to say. And that's really, really important as a writer because it means you're onto something and it means you likely are adjusting what that agenda is so that you can reach a bigger audience so that more of an audience will resonate with your saying, with what you're saying and that you can actually change other people's minds. If your mind has changed, even if it's just slightly, right? Like I'm not saying you have to completely revert your stance on whatever it was that you were going to talk about. But even if your perspective just changes to be more nuanced, you might realize, oh, if I actually consider what someone else's true objections to this topic are, I'm better prepared to talk to them about why I think those objections are incorrect or why I think those objections may not pertain to the core subject matter that we're discussing. That's a lot. I think that's a lot. I'm going to go ahead and stop the video there. You'll never get this perfect. You'll never get it perfect. But what you produce will start to feel better and better and better than you ever could have expected. And probably best of all, it will ring true to bigger and bigger audiences. So that's it. That's it for today's video. That's all I wanted to talk about was why you should not write with an agenda. Because 
my real true belief on this is that if you don't write with an agenda and you write trying to understand the shared human experience, even if you do have a perspective on that, that you test over again, and even if you test that experience, even if you test your perspective and you say, yeah, this perspective actually holds true under analysis. It holds true under these, even when I research the, the opposition's perspectives on it. But what it will do is it will, you, you have a greater understanding of the nuances. You have a greater understanding of why people believe differently. And then when you write about it, you have a more powerful way of changing other people's minds because they're not the one note villains that you thought they were. They're people just like you, just like me. And we are trying to tell better stories. If you need a summer book to read or an audio book to listen to, I'd love for you to read or listen to Death of a Bounty Hunter. Death of a Bounty Hunter is about a desperate sheriff who will do anything to save his daughter and a bounty hunter who realizes he can no longer run from the truth. By the way, I had to test that character. I had to test my villain and say, oh, my villain feels really one note. And I had to add more nuance to him. In fact, a lot of people read the story and they go, wow, I really empathize with the villain too. That's something you love to hear as a storyteller. So go check it out. It's sort of like Red Dead Redemption meets Raiders of the Lost Ark, but with badass female characters thrown in as well. The audiobook version is a full cast audiobook version with 11 voice performers playing 14 different roles. A link to Death of a Bounty Hunter will be in the description down below. Please support the show by picking up a copy. If you have a topic or a question you'd like for me to cover, please leave me a comment or shoot me an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org. Now, granted, I will receive some of those things that I'm like, well, this is not really storytelling related, so there's not a lot I can do with it. So I did get a recent email from somebody and I went, well, this is just a political topic. I'm not really a political pundit. I'm just this guy who likes to talk about stories. So I may not be able to address it unless it's a little bit more storytelling related, but just know that when you submit your comments, leave me a comment down below if you want me to talk about something else or explain one of the things that I talked about here in greater detail. New episodes of the Story Geek Show drop every week, both on YouTube and on your preferred podcast provider. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any new content. In the meantime, thanks for watching. I'll talk to you later. Bye.